Good morning. We're going to ask the children to make their way to Junior Church at this time. Thank you, Danny. And uh, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 15. And while they're making their way, just two quick announcements. You notice we didn't have the PowerPoint this morning. I have to take responsibility for that. Uh, I came in here yesterday morning and the TV was all covered up and the wall wasn't painted yet. And I said, there's no way we're going to have the TV up there this morning, so uh, don't bother doing the PowerPoint. I guess I underestimated David's ability and <laughs> tenacity there, and so uh, we'll pick that up again next week. But uh, also, my wife is not here this morning, but I have the camera, so if you need your picture taken for the new directory, this is a good week to get it taken, because... If if you don't like what you see in the directory, you can blame me for that. Uh, I'm not the professional photographer that she is, and so uh, get it done this week, and then you can you can blame instead of the picture being realistic, you can say the pastor didn't do a good job. <laughs> but we'll we'll take those pictures if you, you want to. Chapter 15, we read. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those who are without strength. And not just please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it was written, the reproaches of those who reproached thee fell upon me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God, to confirm the promises given to the fathers, and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will give praise to thee among the Gentiles, I will sing to thy name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like Scott Craigle to give up. He was a battler, a dedicated athlete. He spent hours and hours perfecting his free throw shot and his jump shots during the hot summer months of 1987. Just before fall practice began, Scott was involved in a serious car accident. Left him in a coma for several days. When he awoke, he faced a long rehabilitation process. Like most patients with closed head injuries, Scott balked at the, doing the slow, tedious work that was required to get him back to where he, he should be again. Things like stringing beads and all kinds of things that those therapists come up with. Uh, what junior high or high, high school junior would enjoy doing something like that? Tom Martin, his basketball coach at, at the Christian school he attended, had an idea. He went to him and he told Scott that he would reserve a spot on the varsity for him if he would cooperate with the therapist. And so slow progress began to be made. 
all during that time, Tom's wife, Cindy, went in and spent hours encouraging Scott and keeping him on track in his therapy and so forth. And within two months, Scott was back playing basketball again. Not only playing basketball, but at the end of the season, he was carried off the court on the shoulders of his teammates because he had made nine straight free throw shots in triple overtime to clinch a league victory. It was the remarkable testimony to the power of encouragement and what encouragement can do in someone's heart. Here was a young man about to give up, and his coach and his the coach's wife said, we're not giving up on him. We're going to see you through this to the end there. Do you know someone today that maybe is struggling? Someone that may need some encouragement? Are we willing to reach out and be that encourager? This week, we come today to the end of our doctrinal section. We've been looking at the will of God, starting in chapter 12, verse 1, where he said, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. And he's been showing us various areas and ways in which we can work out that living sacrifice concept. We looked two weeks ago at the fact that we are here to accept one another and without criticism and so forth there. We're also, we looked last week at the fact we're here to edify one another. And now he encourages us, or his command to us is to encourage one another. Two commands in that area. Both of them end with a benediction. Now, there's not very many benedictions in, in the scripture. So when you have two in the same chapter, I think it stresses the importance here of what he has to say. And so we'll look at those benedictions as we go along. And as I said, we don't have the PowerPoint, so you're going to have to listen closely if you're going to fill in those notes. I'll try to tell you when to fill them in, but my mind doesn't always track with yours. So the first one is, number one there is, bear with one another. comes out of verses 1 through 6. And the... Under that, he clearly states that uh, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. So we have first here the command. It's a strong word that he uses here uh, when he's, he's talking to those who are strong, helping those that are weak. It literally means the word bear that he uses here literally means to take up or carry or share the load, to carry or help someone carry a load that is too much for them. Now, notice he says, we bear the weaknesses of those who are weak. The word that he uses for weakness literally could be translated, those who are without strength. It has nothing to do with a moral issue at, at this point in time. Sometimes people are weak because of lack of knowledge. Sometimes they're weak because of illness. Sometimes they're, they're, they're weak because of Adverse circumstances. There are many reasons that contribute to that sense of weakness. And the fact is, we've all been there. We all understand what he is saying. In Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 there, he says, God comforts us in all of our affliction. Why? So that we can comfort somebody else. We... we as he takes us through a test and a trial and, and we have the victory in it, then we can turn around and be a blessing to somebody else. 
And so obviously, as we read this verse and wrestle with this command, do you know somebody that's struggling today? Maybe they're weak. And uh, are you able to come alongside and edify in verse 2 to, to build them up, to, to encourage them in this trial that they are facing? Maybe that's why God took you through a particular trial. You ever wonder why sometimes you, when you go through something, why is this happening to me? Now, we can understand it if it happens to our brother or sister. Uh, they, they deserve it, but why me? <laughs> and uh, God, sometimes the only answer he says, has to say to us is, somewhere down the road, there's going to be somebody that you can encourage in that area. And so he walks us through it so that we can be there to help somebody else. We need to, in those times, edify, build up, a person that is in that situation, they don't need our criticism. They need our encouragement. Uh, we shouldn't say to them, you shouldn't feel that way. Ever had anybody say that to you? You shouldn't feel that way. The fact of the matter is you do feel that way. And uh, who, who are you to tell me the, how I should feel or shouldn't feel? It, it, uh, as, I, as I think about that, I think of uh, illustration of Jackie Robinson. Any of you remember who Jackie Robinson was? Some of you are young enough to remember that. Uh, he <laughs> he was the the first black man to break the color barrier in professional baseball, and uh, for weeks he faced the jeering crowds in every stadium in which he played. One day, while he was playing in his home stadium in Brooklyn, he committed an error, and uh, the crowd began to ridicule and and. He, he just stood there at second base, totally humiliated, ready to give up. Uh, the fans were jeering and laughing when suddenly Pee Wee Reese stepped forward, uh, put his arm around Jackie and faced the crowd with a glare. Years later, Jackie said, that arm saved my career. He was willing to come alongside when he was weak. And he was willing to demonstrate his care and concern. And the result was he went on to continue to play and to continue to be a good example in, in his prayer. And, and incidentally, I don't know if you realize it or not, but he was a Christian. And, and his whole desire was to glorify Christ. And this helped him in, in that process there. And so we have the command, uh, number B in your notes is we have the example. Actually, we have two examples given here. The first one comes out of verse 3. Even Christ did not please himself. He is an example of someone who came alongside to bear somebody's load. And whose load was that? It was ours. That's what we're celebrating with the communion elements here. He, he bore the load, the weight of our sin, clear to the cross for us. He never asked us to do something that he was unwilling to do. And so when he comes and says, bear one another's burdens, you can be sure that he did that for us. Verse 3 says, the reproaches of those who reproached thee fell on me. I took that reproach. I took that burden. I took that load for you on the cross of Calvary. The second example that we have of someone bearing a burden is found in verse 4. And that is the scriptures here. There are so many Old Testament stories that reveal love in action. 
of somebody that was willing to come alongside somebody that was struggling and give them their help and, and to, to see them through a trial. Uh, one that comes to mind is David and Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, the next in line to the throne. And yet he knew that God had already said that he was not to be the next king. It was to be David. And, and it's interesting to read the story of and the interplay between David and Jonathan. Jonathan was an encourager. From the very beginning, when David slew Goliath, if you recall, he didn't have a sword. He, he didn't have an armor. Uh, all he had was a sling and five stones, and that's what God used. As soon as it was over, Jonathan gave his armor and his sword to David. He figured he could encourage him that way. Uh, when Saul turned against David in his anger and, and tried to kill him, it was Jonathan that intervened. And Saul had just rebuked his son. He said, don't you know he's going to take your, your throne? And that was okay with Jonathan. Jonathan was an encourager. He was going to reach out and, and help David. There are many other examples in Scripture, both good ones and bad ones there. But the the, the opposite of bearing one another's burdens is to put ourselves first. It's selfishness. We want to be number one. We, we want to be in control. We want to know what's in it for me. Scripture reveals the fact that's not the way of Christ. That's not the way we should go. We are here to bear one another's burdens. And the reason for that, see in your notes, comes out of verse 5 there, where we have the First of the two benedictions, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ and with one accord that you may what? With one voice glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We bear one another's burdens because we have a desire to glorify Jesus Christ, to lift him up, to to magnify him. And, And in the process of doing that, we impart hope and we impart a blessing to our brother or sister in Christ. We renew their strength. We renew their perseverance. That Again, it echoes 2 Corinthians 1, 3. We are, uh, God has blessed us so that we can bless somebody else. He's encouraged us so that we can be an encouragement there. And when we do that, the end result is God is glorified. The Westminster Catechism, I don't know how many of you grew up with the catechism as your confession I, I know some of you have and uh, I think we've lost something in getting away from some of that because there are tremendous truths in, in those catechisms but the Westminster Catechism asks the question what is the chief end of man you remember what it is to glorify God and and to enjoy him forever we, we tend to if we're not careful slip over that last part but the chief end, it, we're here. God has left us here so that somehow he can be glorified through our lives, through how we interact with one another, through how we encourage and, and build up one another. Somehow God is being glorified through that. And if we do that, then we can enjoy him. and We can enjoy his blessing there. Uh, that... Uh, the, the command is that we bear one another's burdens so that Jesus Christ somehow is glorified through us. The second command is we are called in verses 7 
to 13 to accept one another. Again, the example in verse 7 is Jesus Christ himself, just as Christ accepted us. Do you ever marvel at that fact that Jesus Christ accepted you? That, that somehow, some way he chose you to be part of his family? Somehow he revealed his unconditional love to you? Uh, well, we could understand that if we cleaned up our act first. And, and felt worthy of it, but it was while we were yet sinners that he died for us. It, it was while we were enemies that, that he chose to love us. He became the one who became our example there. And I think we need to be careful sometimes of erecting artificial barriers and turning away people when God says, accept one another, even those that are weak in the faith. Not, he said, don't accept them to put them into uh, places of teaching and so forth, but accept them because they, they need that acceptance if they're going to grow in, in, in the Lord there. We need to remember that God is at work in a multitude of ways, in hearts and lives. God is working in their lives. And so Christ becomes that example. Uh, he demonstrated his acceptance In verse 8 there, uh, he he confirmed the promises given to the fathers. He became that servant for us. And and as we read that, that's one of the hard parts about encouragement, isn't it? If we're really going to encourage somebody, it may involve a sacrifice on our part. Now, we don't like to sacrifice. We, We... like others to sacrifice for us, but do we really like to to become a servant? Uh, And yet Christ came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He came as a servant for us. Uh, Service involves, whether we realize it or not, it involves a cost. It may cost us an element of our pride. It, It may demand that we release some of our resources to help somebody. It, it, it may take some time. If, if we're really going to encourage uh, uh, someone, it, it's going to demand time on our part. We, it may even mean we have to step out of our comfort zone sometimes to be an encourager. Christ did all of that for us. And, you know, as we stop and think about that, we think, well, you know, that's not fair. Why would he ask us to do that? Well, again, he's asking us to do what he did. Verse 9, for the Gentiles to glorify God. He brings us back to that theme again. We do it for the glory of Jesus Christ, for the glory of God today. And when we do that, when we adopt that mindset, when we seek to encourage one another, three things happen to us. First of all, he said we are filled with, in verse 13, Filled with joy. Now, verses 9 through 12 express that joy. You notice how many times he's, he's going to praise the Lord there. He's just rejoicing of what, in what God is doing and, and able to do there through his life. I like what he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Paul says, and he quotes Jesus here. Now, we don't have any record of that in, in the gospel, so I'm not sure where he, he came up with this, but, uh, He said, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Have you ever puzzled over that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Don't we like to receive? And yet he said it's more blessed to give. Why is it more blessed to give? Well, Have you ever noticed when you give encouragement to somebody else, you're giving out of your blessing. You've already been blessed. If it's a financial need and you are able to meet that need, it's because God's already met those needs in your life. If it's an emotional need and you've gone through a similar trial and God's brought you through it, you have the strength to impart to that other person. God has blessed you. And so we give out of our blessing. And when we do that, he said, we're filled with joy. Some of you can remember back to the days when we used to sing that chorus, Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. I'm not getting very many people that are remembering that. <laughs> I'm not that old. <laughs> An old Sunday school chorus that J is for Jesus. He has first place, O is for others. And then Y is for, for you there. Uh, there is joy in serving Jesus. When we are willing to be that living sacrifice, when we are willing to reach out and encourage others, it brings joy to our hearts. He, he speaks of the fact that, that we're filled with joy in verse 13 there. The second benefit of being a servant and reaching out and encouraging someone else is we are filled with peace. When we close our eyes to the needs of somebody, we experience the hurt, the conviction sometimes of the spirit. Uh, we, we ignore those needs to our own detriment. And the result is a lack of peace in our own hearts and lives. When we reach out and seek to minister and to encourage, then he builds us up and we can be encouraged in, in Christ and we have peace in our hearts. Have you ever noticed when God reveals a need and, and you don't do anything about it? It leads to frustration in your life and you get frustrated. A great way to stop that frustration and even fighting in the body of Christ is to bear one another's burdens, to encourage one another and, and to follow the example of Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, we read in verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each one of you regard one another as more important than himself. And as we do that, we experience the peace of, of God in our lives. And then the third thing that happens as we seek to be a burden bearer, to bear one another's burdens, is we abound, in verse 13, not only in joy and peace, but we abound in hope. Because he is the God of hope today. How is it possible? It's possible because of the Holy Spirit there who dwells within us. As we obey him, as we follow him, he brings that measure of hope into our lives. Are you discouraged today? Perhaps you need somebody to come alongside and encourage you. But perhaps you need to ask God to open your eyes to somebody that you can encourage. Because in all honesty, if we look at our lives, we can all say we have been blessed. We are a people blessed of God. So many different areas we've experienced his blessing. Are, are we sharing that blessing? Are we passing it on today? Do we look for ways to reach out and help, realizing that God is at work 
in our lives. Years ago, there was a young lady. Her name was Linda. She had finished uh, her degree. She had gotten her t- teacher's certificate. It was in the middle of winter. Uh, she found a school up in, in Whitehorse that needed a teacher. So she applied and was accepted. And uh, what she didn't know was you don't travel up the Alaskan high, or at least you didn't then because it was all gravel. You don't travel up to Whitehorse alone in the middle of winter in a rundown Honda Civic. You're just probably not going to make it. But she didn't know that. She didn't know that it would have been wise to have a four-wheel drive vehicle. She set out from Alberta and up the Alaskan Highway headed for Whitehorse. The first night, she got a motel. And as she was getting ready to to go to her room, she asked the attendant if she could have a 5 a.m. wake-up call. She wanted to get an early start because she wanted to finish her trip the next day. He looked at her rather funny, but uh, he said he would wake her up, uh, give her a phone call there. Uh, She awoke the next morning to that phone call, looked out the window, and the whole area was enshrouded in fog. Couldn't see the mountaintops, couldn't see what what was ahead. And that she began to understand why he kind of questioned a 5 a.m. wake-up call. Not wanting to look foolish, she got up, went to breakfast, went into a small cafe where two truckers were sitting, visiting together. And they invited Linda to sit down and have breakfast with them. And since there was nobody else there, she felt the polite thing to do was to sit down and have breakfast with them. Uh, one of them asked, where are you headed? And she said, White horse. Uh, he looked out the window and he said, in that little Civic, he said, there's no way. The, the pass is too dangerous in, in this weather. Well, she said, I'm determined to try. It, uh, not probably the best response, but uh, she had a job lined up in Whitehorse. She was going to try. They tried to talk her out of going, but she wouldn't be persuaded. Finally, one of the truckers said, I guess we're just going to have to hug you. And she kind of backed away and said, there's no way you're going to hug me. And they they both laughed and they said, no, what we mean is we'll put one truck in front of you and one truck behind you and we'll get you safely over the pass. And so that's what they did. All that morning and into the afternoon, all that Linda could see was two red dots in front of her. And back a ways in her mirror, she could see two headlights following her. And those little dots gave her the assurance that she had a big escort and she was going to get through that crisis. And eventually they made it to Whitehorse safely. I wonder, are you at that place where you need someone to give you a hug today? Are are you willing to pray today, Lord, show me somebody that needs a hug? Maybe that's going to involve moving out of your comfort zone. But is there somebody in your life, maybe in your family, that is struggling? They're going through a hard time. Can you reach out and give them a hug? Not necessarily a physical hug. It it may be a phone call. It may be a cup of coffee. It may be a practical help. It may be financial help. There's 101 ways that we can give that hug, as those truckers found out. Are we willing to reach out? to somebody that's hurting and say, I'll be there for you. I will help bear the burden that you are carrying today. 
Are we willing to move out of our comfort zone? And then as we think about that, I guess the obvious question we also have to ask is not only are we willing to reach out and be the comforter to give somebody the hug, but if you're going through a a trial, are you willing to accept a hug? Are you willing to accept help? Sometimes pride gets in our way, doesn't it? And and we don't allow the other person to to minister to us in, in our time of need. Are we willing to to accept the help that God wants to send our way? Or are we like the man in the midst of the flood that was on the roof of his house? Pray to the Lord, Lord, help me. And, and along came a boat, and no, the Lord's going to save me. And he sent the boat away. Along came another boat, and eventually a helicopter, and uh, pretty soon he drowned. And he said, well, Lord, I, I prayed, and why didn't you answer? And the Lord said, I did answer. I sent the boat. I sent the helicopter. You just didn't accept the help that I sent to you. Are are, are we willing to accept the help that God has for us? Are we willing to help? Are we willing to accept the help? As I think of that, can't help but think of the communion elements that we celebrate today. A demonstration, a, a living demonstration of what Christ was willing to do for us. In 1 John 4, 10, he says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his only begotten son for us. And then, having said that, and and that's what we're celebrating here today, the cup represents the blood that he gave for us, the the bread represents the body he was willing to, to, to give to bear our burden on the cross. And then, as he says that in 1 John 4, 10, verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We're called to demonstrate the character of Christ. And aren't you glad he hasn't asked us to go to the cross in the same way that he had to go, to bear the depths of what he did for us? And yet he does ask us to take up a cross, to be a servant, to follow him, so that he can be glorified in hearts and lives through us. Are we willing to pray very simply today, Lord, make me a servant. Help me to reach out and serve and minister to somebody that is hurting today. Help me to be Christ in action to them, we pray. Let's ask God to do that through us today. Let's pray. Father, we're so glad. And we want to offer our praise and our thanks to you that Jesus Christ was willing to do that for us. We, we can't imagine the price and what it cost him, willing to go to the cross for us. And yet you did. And we thank you for that. And yet, sometimes we hesitate to reach out and hug somebody because it's going to cost us a little bit. Give us the courage this week to say, Lord, I'm available to be that instrument that you use to touch, to encourage somebody that may be struggling. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing Near to the Heart of God. And Danny, you're welcome to take this back. I'm finished with it there. You may be seated. We read these words in 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup 
when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. And notice the emphasis there, in remembrance of me, of what he did for us. And if he was willing to do that for us, are we willing to do that for him? As we partake of the communion elements this morning, if you're visiting with us, we invite you, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, to partake with us. It's not our table, it's his. And it's open to any and all who, who love the Lord Jesus Christ. There, The only request that we have is that as the elements are served, you wait until everyone has been served, and then we will partake of them at the same time. So I'm going to ask the men to come at this time. We read that Jesus took bread and gave thanks. Phil, would you return thanks for the bread? Each element. Same way also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. John, would you return thanks for the cup? Does that song remind you of something? Yeah. We remember that. Just, just changed addresses and is home with Christ in glory. And that's where we're headed. And aren't you glad that he went to the cross so you can look forward to that? Drink ye all of it. We're going to sing together, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds.